We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Welcome to the BearCast, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Indeed, Pepsi, and Bet Online. Enjoy the episode, Cal fans. And a Merry Christmas to all of the Cal fans. And if you're listening to this, you are now listening to the California Golden Bearcast, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am one of your co-hosts, Rob Hong. Alongside me always is the best friend, Andy Johnston. Andy, Merry Christmas to you, buddy. It's it's coming up soon. It's right around the corner. <laughs> I was going right to say, there. you went with the heat, with the fire. You're like, I want the fire. Christmas out the gate. Happy yep. holidays, happy Hanukkah. I think it's actually yeah. Hanukkah right now. Yeah, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, what, whatever it is, whatever it is you celebrate, happy whatever it is. And this is, of course, the UCLA Bruins me- main podcast. As that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't know. If UCLA even has a podcast, so no, you know, we're stealing it. We're, I guess. I guess we are. This is it. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome, one and all. Don't Welcome, fans. We don't care if your team wins or loses. We're completely objective <laughs> podcast hosts, and you will get no better analysis on your team than right here. <laughs> we will judge you for what your food is in the stadium. That's how we judge if you're a good team or not. Mm. Like that's our standard. Is your we press probably, box food good? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That press is box true. food, good or bad? That's where we're gonna judge it. If it's bad. Yeah, I will say Levi's was damn good. Damn good. Levi's was pretty damn good. Yeah. yeah that was and that wasn't even an NFL game. That was them prepping us for a college game. Yeah, I I would wait with bated breath to see what it would be like for an actual Niners game. The other one that was good, not great, was Chase Field. Good, not great. And then of course, beloved Memorial. Good, not great. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's probably even that's I think it's a tad lower than good, not great. 
I don't know what what yeah. a notch lower lower than that is. I don't want to say anything too negative because you know at this point my press pass getting accepted is uh, over two in the COVID <laughs> world. So let's just you know it's great, it's awesome, it's excellent. <laughs> I think the word I think the best one I heard was North Carolina. You know how when we went to go play there, I think it was uh, I think one of our riders, Peter, maybe Ray. I think we gave them the passes, but. They said there was like pulled pork in the press box. Like it was like North Carolina barbecue in the press box. I was like, that's, that's legit. Like, you know, I'm, I'm stoked for like when we go to Auburn or like when we go to, I think even Notre Dame should be like outstanding. Right. I didn't even think of that. Yes. Those would be awesome. (laughs) Better get my, better get that vaccine and better get my passport ready. (laughs) You got two years. You got two years till those games. I mean, the, the, the one on the top of my list for next year is what? Probably the TCU game, like going out to Dallas. That's probably, if that happens, that probably has, that. that's going to be like a good food weekend too. So, oh, for sure. The, the funny thing, this has nothing to do with Cal sports, but here's the thing. Newsflash, nothing happened this weekend. So I feel like I'm taking some liberties here. We're pretty open to the, what you're listening to. The impending doom that's about to hit after this, which is, and I guarantee you have forgotten about this. Remember the California real ID? Yeah. Did you get one? Uh, Technically, yes. What? Yeah. (laughs) Ah, you're one of those procrastinators. No, no, no. Let me, let me tell you. It's not my driver's license. That's a real ID. So I actually had to renew my passport. And when I renewed my passport, they gave me the option. I think it was like an extra $15 and I would get a passport card, which I can use to travel to, let's say, Mexico and Canada, like to cross the close borders. But that passport card is a real ID. So I was like, why would I why would I go to the like I get I get why? Because you'd have to carry another card, right? Like on top of your driver's license. But I was like, I don't I'm not. I don't need to go wait in line at the DMV for this when I can literally click a button and order it. Wow. So I was just like, I don't mind carrying an extra card if I need the real ID to get on a plane. If I'm just sticking in my wallet anyways, it's not a big deal for me. So I went that route. Well played, sir. Well played. Well, for the rest of us that didn't (laughs) go that route, just wait till the pandemic's over. And it's like, oh, by the way, you have three months to get your real ID in order to travel without a passport. <laughs> DMV efficiency. All right. Have you heard have you heard the horror stories behind like getting your real ID? Dude, I went anyways, we don't have to board. <laughs> I went to get one and I failed. And so I have a normal ID. And it was like a year before the deadline. And I was like, well, I'm definitely not gonna come back here. So this was my one shot. I'll see you in a year. <laughs> this is that's 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 my pro tip here. Just order yourself a passport card. Okay, that's the that's the low key pro tip here. If you don't mind carrying another card around with you when you travel, just order yourself a passport card and save yourself the trouble. I don't think I mind. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't mind it, yeah, it's such an easier way. Yep. So yeah, onwards, onwards. So if you didn't know already, the Cal game got canceled this week. A mere eight break that news for you. You didn't know. You didn't know. (laughs) You didn't know if you're listening to this. If you didn't know, Um, a mere eight hours after it was announced, 
So I'm not talking about the Washington State game being canceled. I'm talking about the game this upcoming week that we had scheduled against Arizona that said literally on the Pac-12 Network's tweet, had all the games have a time and TV broadcaster. And then for our game at the bottom, it just said TV to be announced or to be determined, which everyone kind of knew is it's not happening. So to backtrack a little bit, like let's run through the timeline. Cal travels to Washington State or to Pullman on Friday. Saturday morning, they get the news that uh, there was a COVID positive test, which means that they had to contact trace. And through the contact tracing, uh, I think it knocked out our D line again. I think that's a. I think that's what what ha- that that's what happened. So that happens. The team is stuck in Pullman with no game to play. I got a text message. Um, I'll, Andy, I'll let you know who sent me the text message later, and I think you'll have a good laugh about it. But uh, I got a text message. Let me let me get you the time that I got this text message. All right, because I think it's hilarious. Um, it's let's see, eleven uh, seventeen a.m. I got a text message that says just says game canceled. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's all I. That's all. That's all it says. Uh, and he's like, "Yeah, I don't think the news is out yet. Not sure if anyone had heard." Um, and then, uh, and then I looked back into our work Slack, ch- into our Rifer California Slack channel, and I put into our streaming thing because we were supposed to have a guest this week at ten fifteen a.m. Literally an hour before, I wrote, "Blank is joining today on our live stream unless something changes last minute." And an hour later, that news drops that that game's canceled. And then Nick, of course, comments in that channel. He goes, so did something happen last minute? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah. All right. I deserve that one. Um, I spoke it into existence. You can blame me for that. Uh, But, yeah, it. Uh, I, I started watching like all the guys' uh, Instagram videos and like stories. And they were just like hanging out in Pullman. Like they were like walking back and they were they were they were sad, but I don't think they were like upset. Like I think they they're on, it's they're so far into the season with so many cancellations like this. It's like a, it it happened. Like it's a positive test. There's nothing we can do about it, and it's just they're they're going about their day. But um, yeah, the first time it hits you hard, right? Yeah, you know, the heartbreak yeah. tweets that came out. Yeah, the fourth time, <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> you're like, all right, dude, just get this over with. <laughs> like it's the same thing with us. Like I didn't have any negative reaction to it. I just laughed. I was like, all right. And then with the Arizona game, I was like, why even announce it? Yeah. <laughs> like seriously that. Yeah. Just why even waste your time pack 12? But I, you know, maybe it didn't take them too long to just throw TBD on there and then <laughs> cancel it eight hours later. But yeah, I mean, yeah, to be fair, like it wasn't just us, right? Like we all, all of us who kind of have been following this all year have been like, all right, looking at the dates, like they need to quarantine for 14 days, like isolate all that stuff with the contact tracing and minimum seven to 10 days. And after doing all the math calculations on the calendar, it's like, you realize we're not going to have a team to field on Saturday. So we knew it wasn't going to be where we weren't going to be able to play. And then the announcement comes out from the PAC 12 that Arizona also like had unavailable players. So the game was going to be played regardless. Uh, I think one of, the two sides was definitely going to have issues. So that happened, but I believe the guys went sledding. I think that's what I heard. Uh, heard, in- heard that too. Yeah. yeah. I thought, uh, I, 
I put out that tweet, which got a ton of likes, like that we're, we were the only uh, NCAA team this season to go on a mid-season trip to Pullman for a team bonding activity in the snow. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we flew we flew up just for a team bonding activity, you know. And I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure. That there's quite there's probably more than a handful of guys on the team that never seen snow in their life before. What? I had friends in college that had never seen snow until we went on a Tahoe trip, like you know when we while we were in college. And I guess it makes sense. Like if you live in LA and you don't go, you don't travel, or if you don't go like snowboarding or skiing, like that's not a thing in your family. I could easily see like it not being a a thing that you see or interact with. I guess that's fair. I would Even in the Bay Area, think, you know, we would have hit some type of that weather, but I guess not. Right. Not enough for it to pile up, and you like have to experience no. what like to have like a snow, not like a snow day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe not. You might see like you know, there's times in San Francisco where if you're up in the skyscrapers and it's like super cold, you'll see snow falling. It'll it's just it'll melt by the time it gets to, like the tenth floor. Like if you're yeah, up, I you mean, know, we had that super cold day two years ago where it like was really windy and cold. And then there was snow on all the tops of the hill. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, that's super dope. I love the idea of just an entire football team going sledding. Good for them. Like really good for them for not just like they do. These kids deserve it. Like think about the season that they had to go through. And then also it's like, man, I wonder if Wilcox received a call, which is like, Hey, <laughs> do you want to play this team last minute? And he's like, no, damn you guys. Of course not. <laughs> like, why would we ever do that again? Uh, lemon, lemons out of lemon or lemonade out of lemons. Like that's pretty much what happened when they went to Pullman. And I'm, I'm genuinely all right with that. Um, you know, we were talking about it when we were talking on the phone earlier today about like, there's that, there's those other schools that aren't accepting bids to bowl games. You know, uh, even though even if they receive one, just because they just want they they realize like the the toll this has taken and like the isolation and everything that they've had to do to play this season out, and they just want to give the rest of the time off to you know their student athletes to go home and spend time with their families over the holidays. Which, by the way, like for people that don't know, like if you're in a bowl game, right? Um, a majority of those kids like don't get to go home for Christmas. Like you're right around there. It's like you're still practicing all the way through unless you get one of those super early bowl games, right? Where it's like on the 20th or the 19th, you're practicing all the way through. So it's like super tough to, to go home for the holidays. Uh, and like, that's something that they have to give up every year to play collegiate athletics. Like the basketball team never gets to go home. Right. So for the holidays. Yep. So it's, it's a nice little, it's nice little, like, you know, little positive silver lining in this time of pandemic and cancellations. Really, really was, really was. And what a year it was this year <laughs> where I, you know, the week after we recorded those predictions, the one about COVID or fires and <laughs> thank goodness the fire <laughs> one wasn't true. Yeah. The COVID one certainly was. And I was like, you know what would have been a better prediction after the first game was like uh, canceled or um, the first one, I, I think a better prediction would have just been 
that the entire season didn't actually end up happening. Because that's really what took place. Like, you cannot call 2020 a season. You call it a few games, a sprinkling, a spattering of games. A glorified spring ball. Yeah, a glorified spring ball with a pretty nice feeling win over Oregon. Yeah. Excruciatingly painful time to lose an axe. Like to lose an axe in a season where we played four games. <laughs> that's pretty on brand with being a Cal fan. That's that's pretty on brand. You know what is also on brand with being a Cal fan? That UCLA USC game. See you see UCLA fans, we got something for you. We hooked you at the beginning and now you're here. We watched the game and you guys just failed like we fail, baby. One in the same. UC's hold strong. I mean, let's let's talk about that. Like, let me run you through. Let me run you through the history of what happened over the last six weeks. All right. Week one, two cancellations. Week two, another two cancellations. But because of those two cancellations, they rescheduled Cal to play UCLA because they were the two teams that didn't have COVID issues. And then week three, two cancellations. <laughs> week four, two cancellations. And then one reschedule in which Colorado got to play the only out-of-conference game in the entire conference against San Diego State. Week five was our lucky week. Every single game the Pac-12 was played. And then week six, two cancellations. And then now we're in championship week with already a cancellation and a reschedule with Utah being replaced by Oregon in the championship game. And that leaves Colorado without a game. <laughs> and they had an amazing season. <laughs> yeah, they had an amazing season. They're just sitting there like, you're not going to give us another game here. Um, yeah. Some miscellaneous of what happened this season too so far. One team relocated which was Stanford when they basically moved up to Seattle. One coach was fired last week. I know. And we didn't get to play Arizona. Of course. (laughs) One year they gave up 70 points. We had, I mean, just the perfect year to play Arizona. And of course we get canceled on that one. We're going to end up playing. I mean, depending on what happens with the new schedule for next season, like if this season, if, if they're going to keep going with the alternating years or if what, what we were supposed to play this year in terms of a home schedule gets pushed to next year. Mm. Like, do you get what I'm saying here? Yeah, no, no, hundred percent. I, I, I think that, I think that changes because if, if we don't push what happens this year, then we play Arizona next year. Yeah. And it's, they're going to be the first year under a new head coach. So still not as good as playing them right now. Yeah. Still not that much. No, 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 I mean, not at all. If you look at the game we had scheduled, you and then Washington State, and then you were going to tell me that we were going to end up playing Arizona. Trey was right. We were going to win out and go yep. to a bowl game. Yeah, <laughs> like, that was going to be the the 2020 season for Cal. I think it, in a lot of ways, would have ended on a po- another positive note. But I don't think that this year has really warranted or earned positive notes of anything. So. It's more on brand with 2020 to have it be this way. But it, it, I mean, I don't think any Cal fan should be out there being like, oh my God, we were one and three. Like, we have massive issues. I think this team would have finished pretty strong. And, and also, you can, I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead. You can get into the kind of what, what could have been. But 
freaking Oregon being in this championship game. You don't have a blocked punt and you make your damn field goal slash extra point against Stanford and you're looking at Cal playing USC. I mean, uh, but then but then it then being canceled and then Oregon probably being in the game anyways. So, <laughs> so anyways, like no matter which way you look at it, even if you throw the optimistic lens, it's like 2020 is going to come get you. It's yeah. there. It's getting you either way. No, no matter where you're like, oh, what if we did this math? No, 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 no. Can't do that. What about this? Nah, nah, no. <laughs> I mean, like so many people have, have like asked me that and like tweeted at me about that. And I'm like, like we can't play the what if game with just us. Like, you know, like if Oregon had just beaten Oregon State, and regardless of what we did, they they would have gone. They would have still gone to the championship game. Right? Like even if we held held the tiebreaker, because they would have had one more win over us. Like it, it Yeah. My big like, thing, my big thing too is like it none of it matters. <laughs> like, that's that's the beautiful thing about this. USC winning that game, while it would be fun to see, I like I legitimately had fun watching USC UCLA. That was a extraordinary extremely fun game to watch except if you're a ucla fan see still good content for the ucla crowd glad to have you here all right but i don't think if usc beats oregon i don't think they're getting in the playoff i just don't like the season has been such a disaster in the pac-12 and, and 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 everywhere else, but like the rest of the leagues, kind of had that like August, late August to September magical grace period where they got like four plus games in. But you, you know, you're SC's not getting in An undefeated team. Or they'd be five and zero. Oh, yeah, no six and five and zero, oh, six and zero. Oh. Oh. Yeah, versus what team that's played like ten games? Nah, they're not doing it. Mm mm. I, I don't see how they would even make the playoffs, even if they had beaten Washington. Like, I, I see all these all SC fans on Twitter upset about, like, ah, you know, we're not, even if we beat Oregon, like, we're not going to get in because Oregon's such a, it's like a lowly team. But like, Oregon and Washington is a one-game difference. Like, they're not, it's it's not like, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. I mean, Washington, what, played all three games? <laughs> like, yeah, they played four games this year, and Oregon's played five. Like, it, the one game won't make a difference in terms of who you're playing. Like, the, the amount of games that they lost are both two. Like, you're not – it's not that Notre Dame-Clemson game that's happening this weekend, right? Like, it's it's not that type of – it doesn't have that weight. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know what, why you're upset. But, I mean, they're not going to get in over Bama, Notre Dame, Ohio State. Clemson. I still think Texas A&M probably has a better right to that fourth spot than an undefeated SE team. And then you're looking at what is it? Since A&M's only loss was that Florida game I watched. Yeah. Right? So yep. that was a pretty close game too. And yeah, I mean I I don't think you're if you're looking at an 8 and 1 A&M team I think that's yeah, I, th- I think you're, and you probably are, given that they're playing Tennessee. I, I just don't see any way that SC is making it in. I do. I think it'd be better for the conference if they did. Absolutely. Do I actually think they'd be a fun team to watch? Sure. I mean, their offense, man, dude, they have playmakers. But I think they probably get mollywopped anyways. <laughs> like, <am> I, <laughs> you know, it's like I, I'm not really sure if it's. If, if they would make any good impression, but uh, yeah, I mean, this game's meaningless. So this whole, this whole, you have to ask yourself, 
Was it all worth it? For the sheer, what for the sheer entertainment value, it was. For the sheer entertainment value. Like if that's the only thing we're looking at, there were some good games in the Pac-12 this year if you were an uninvested fan. Like if you had no vetted interest in any of these teams, there were some really good ones. Like the Arizona State walloping of Arizona, like it was just fun to watch. Like her Herm Edwards like brought out like all the trick plays, like and they were up multiple yeah. touchdowns, like thirty five to seven. <laughs> yeah, he's throwing <laughs> he's throwing like weird trick plays out there to score more. Like I love it, I absolutely love it. Like Colorado shellacking of UCLA to start off the year when everyone thought it was going to be a down year for Colorado. Like you know the even the USC Arizona State game to start off the year. It was a good game. Like, that was an awesome awesome game. Like if you weren't invested. The Oregon-Oregon State game was fun. The Stanford-Oregon game was fun. The big game was actually a good game. Right, right. Even the Washington State-Oregon State game was weirdly fun, like, earlier in the year. So, like, there, if for, for the pure entertainment value and the shenanigans that happens in the Pac-12 yearly because of Pac-12 After Dark is fun. Awesome. Fun was had. Fun was had. Fun was had. Fun was had. I mean, it was – it. Is it better than us watching old YouTube cow games and then Absolutely. doing podcasts on them? One thousand percent, a thousand percent. So yes, is was it worth it? I don't think so. I think that you get into the some of the, especially because my my two friends that are both incredibly smart Dodgers just had this debate about the Florida player that collapsed. Yeah, basketball player that collapsed and right. what the impact is. And you know, some are seeing a really high rate of that happening, which means that, you know, there's long-term effects here, especially conditions with the heart that can be incredibly problematic. And, and subjecting, if you knew it was going to be this much of a disaster, I don't think there's any way anyone in the Pac-12 would have said yes. I, I mean, and, and I don't let know alone, if the spring season would have happened, but I mean, I just, let alone anyone in the co- any conference in the entire country. No, nah, like SEC, SEC still would have played. There's, <laughs> there's, there's no way. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I, I don't know. I think if you knew for a fact that like this could have heart problem issues, right, and like players would collapse, like you knew that for a fact. I don't. There, I don't think there's a single conference in the country, at least collegiately. Right, not not professional, but collegiately, that would be willing to take on that liability, and that and like that pure, like that's a that's a negligence lawsuit waiting to happen, if you if you knew that was the case. So, I think they're I think they're not as ballsy as we think they are. At least some of these big time conferences, in terms of that. But yeah, I agree uh, for all the other thoughts. Twenty twenty has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical, and Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. 
Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. And you only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. That offer is valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. You'll have to to sell me on the the SEC. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's hard for me to believe that. I mean, I also think the same thing. Like, you know who's had a bunch of really dumb takes this season has been um Dabo. So I also like yeah. to be sold on him as well. Well thankfully he's in the ACC so we don't have to worry about that. He's no. alone in the ACC. True, true, but I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm just uh yeah thoroughly unimpressed with him so far this year too. But it is the what flip, it is. The flip side of that coin and I hate to admit it is David Shaw. Yeah. Like the other side of that coin absolutely stellar like you have to give credit where it's due with how he's handled the social injustice issues how he's handled the COVID stuff and the players uh the united we stand stuff what he said you know in press conferences and like when he's off the field that's exactly what you want from a head coach exactly what you want david shaw is a pretty impressive guy um, I don't really have anything negative to say about him. Other than just, football stuff, but yeah. <laughs> I'm like happy that we're on the same, you know, competitive field, I think, as Stanford. And that is in part to him. But should he, you know, when he was being looked at for NFL jobs, I think you and I are on podcast record being like, yo, take them, get out of here. Because, yeah, I mean, go somewhere else besides Stanford. Yeah. He's a good dude. Like really, really class, class guy. So I, I really can't say anything negative at Absolutely. all. And as a, I will talk negatively about Tiger Woods because he went to Stanford <laughs> because he was at that big game when he said that Stanford was going to win. I can't. I don't really say anything negative about David Shaw. It seems just seems like a really up, upright, good standing dude <laughs> good, human like, being. Yeah. A good human being it's a little hard to say there's, yeah. there's a little bit of a challenge in that yeah 
you got you got to uh, kind of struggle to get that out of your mouth. But at, at, as long as we're not talking about the football and we're talking about his off the field stuff, he's, I think he's he's like that's exactly what that's exactly the type of person you would want to that you're okay with giving your kid to like learn under for four years. Yeah. Right. Like just, yeah. Uh, I mean, let's look at some of the other stats I pulled 22 missed field goals this season. I don't have any reference point for that, but it seemed like a little bit of a lot. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the number without any yeah. data. Yeah. No data. Yeah. Big. <laughs> yeah. Here's a, here's a, here's one that took me by surprise. Only two quarterbacks in the pack 12 had more than 10 touchdown passes this year. Do you know who those two were? I think it's Keaton. Uh-huh. Who's the second? And uh, Jalen. Who's Jalen? <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was making up somebody. <laughs> Hold on. Hold, please. Are you talking ASU or Washington State? They're both, they're both Jadens. Jaden. <laughs> yeah. I knew it was Jaden, dude. I was like, uh, damn. This is Wait, I guess why we, on the days where I wake up early, man. Uh, right, was I right? Was I right? Is it Jaden? It's not. It's actually Tyler Shuck. What? Yeah. Really? Tyler Shuck has 11 touchdowns on the season, and I think Jay, uh, Keen Slovis had 15 on the year. What do you think the peak of the rest of the conference was? Like, what was the highest after them? Six. You are absolutely correct. Six was the highest. There were a few guys with six. Garbers. But I think Garbers was one of the one of the guys that had six or four. Did he have four or six? Either way. Um, so yeah, the, the two guys led the pack with double the amount of touchdown passes. Dude, Keaton is so good. Um this offense is just perfect. And he's like he's he's, yeah, he's just yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> Him I will say though, uh like Jaden's incredible. Like, yeah. uh, but also the other person who I was super impressed by was DTR. DTR was, he was having an Aaron Rodgers level game. That game that he was having against SC. He was slinging. At one point, I think he was 22 of 25. I was literally like, what, what is happened? <laughs> like, where is this coming from? And he's putting the ball in pockets that are narrow, like NFL windows. NFL windows and you know I was just wildly impressed with that Chase's stats 62 and a half completion percentage meh 771 yards super meh six touchdowns three interceptions so two to one TD to INT ratio that's all right and passer rating of 120 this is just a point higher not even a point point you Four higher than his 2018 stats. Do you remember all three of his picks? I remember one. Well, the tipped pass. The, tip, the tipped pass one is the one I remember. And I, I don't know if I could blame him for that one. Um, the other two, I can't remember. And that's the thing. Oh, I should know this. Well, UCLA, right? right oh, yeah. Right, right. I'm going to guess that. The, Which, he had one against UCLA, and he actually had two in the Oregon State game. And hasn't actually thro- thrown a nine. I mean, he hasn't had an interception since, so that's good. Best I'm, game 
But he's played Oregon what two, State, two games probably. Since? Yeah, two games. Then. Best game was Oregon State, three fifteen passing yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Yeah, I mean he was playing super well that game. I do remember yeah. that. They were driving that final drive too. If it wasn't for that tip ball, so. Anyways, I mean, look, looking at the standings right now for the conference, it's like SC is five and zero, so they played five games. Colorado played four. UCLA played six. Utah's played four. Arizona State's played three. <laughs> Arizona's played five. Washington's played four. Oregon's played five. Stanford's played five. Oregon State's played six. Washington State has played three. And we've played four. So the average is coming around somewhere between like, what, like three and a half, four. Like that's the average um, of games played for each team in the conference. Would you have would you have said that that would be a good place of your prediction? Like, would you think that would have been what, around what your prediction would have been if it was the number of games played? Or did you think that we were going to get through like when you for your prediction? Like, did you think we we're going to get through at least like five? No, I think when I was doing the prediction pod, I was thinking much more optimistically, like there would only be one game that would have been postponed due to COVID. Yeah. I just felt like there was a lot of excitement. The season was coming back. We we're sort of looking ahead. All right, only six games. Doesn't seem impossible. You know, all all West Coast. So not a lot maybe thinking not a lot of exposure. I don't know how much of it we were tracking with, hey, there's gonna be holidays that are gonna increased case count and if those type of things yeah that would i don't think that was like top of mind so i think that was more optimistic i i don't think i would have ever and that's the thing though if you had told me back then and been like yeah you're gonna get like an average of three and a half four games across the conference i would have been like what is the point there <laughs> there you know it's i think it's a lesson for all of us the pac-12 had the right decision I think most of it, most of us knew it was the tough, but the right way to go. And they walked away from it because they looked over at their neighbor, if you will. And they're like, damn, my neighbor's not wearing a mask and they're getting away with it. So, you know, this totally hypothetical, by the way. Uh, Hopefully not. This isn't a political issue. But yes, my neighbor's not wearing a mask. Tommy. Tommy's never wearing his mask. It looks like he's having fun with his kids outside. So I want to do that too. ESPN is going to pay him a shit ton of money to go not wear a mask and be outside and play with his kids. ESPN is offering me the same amount of money. Same with Fox. Fox just came in and offered me a bunch of money. <laughs> I'm going to go outside without a mask on and play with my kids. And we all got COVID. <laughs> so there you go. That's, that's my full. <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> We had the opportunity to be the better parent. We opted not to take it and we kind of got what we deserved. And it's like sad, but true. I think as I look at a silver lining here, it looks like the recruiting class is pretty intact. I don't think we did any negative damage to the Cal football brand. I think the biggest hit that we have this year is really just losing the ax. Do you agree or do you disagree? I, I agree. I am. I think Avi said it best where if you're recruiting guys that are wavering because of the numbers in the win loss ca- column, right? You're not recruiting the right guys. 
that's all fine, but they're high school students. (laughs) And and then also. Right, right, right. I I get that caveat. But Um, but let me add one more too. Sure. Maybe it's, I'm not talking like win loss, but I'm talking like, hey, this offense looks kind of boring. Mm. (laughs) You know, like some of those takes. Now, we talked about this. I'm just mainly playing devil's advocate because I think that this offense has featured receivers and running backs and tight ends and fullbacks in a way that they haven't been in the past. And so spider two Y banana. Yes. So there's some things to be excited about, but I just wondered if you schematically as a player, if you were like, Hmm. Well, okay. Well, here, here's my thing. All right. Like who you, the crown jewel of this class, like you would probably say is who J Michael. Yeah, or yeah, right. Uh, or, probably, or either, I think there's a couple of defensive players that you could make a pretty solid case for. So you'd probably say J. Michael, and let me let me run you through J. Michael's timeline, right? So we were interested. We recruit. We're recruiting him under Bo Baldwin. So he learned everything about what his role would be in the Bo Baldwin offense. Correct. Correct. Right. Bo Baldwin gets fired. No. Uh, or moves on. whatever timing timing was about the same so he moves on we bring in bill musgrave our wide receiver coach stays the same in toller but we implement a brand new offense now if you're jay michael would you commit to a school that you just got to connect with the offensive coordinator in what you're doing or would you feel more comfortable committing to a school that had the same coach that had been recruiting you for some time? Like if it just, just, uh, just a, from a normal perspective, from like a rational perspective, you'd probably lean towards the school that you knew what was going to, what it was going to be. Like they didn't have to sell you on a quick, like quick turnaround. It was like, you know, they, you have years of tape that you could, they're pointing to. And it's like, this is what we want you to do. Like, you know, like if he wanted to go to Texas, cause Texas is one of the schools that recruited him. Cause he is from Texas. Like Tom Herman's not going anywhere. Like that offense is going to stay that offense. Like he could have easily gone that route to, to just stay a little bit more convenient. Right. Right. In my mind, in my mind, if that, if he's still committed here, that means one Burl Toller has a really good relationship with him. And like, I think that's, that's definitely a, that's definitely a reason why too, but he definitely had to have spoken to Musgrave about how this offense is going to work and had to have seen some stuff that he got excited and wanted to play in this offense and not just him, but guys like Maven Anderson, who actually committed before Musgrave came in. Um, I think he was our first wide receiver that committed right in this class. So yeah. the first force and the first four star. So like he stuck around, like all of the offensive guys did not flip if they had committed before Baldwin came or before Musgrave came in. So I think that I take a positive in that, that they've seen enough and have been told enough of how this is going to run that they're okay with it. So that's, that would be my take on it. It's it's a good take. I like that. I I think that all makes. I think it all makes sense. It's hard to tap into the mind of a eighteen of of an eighteen year old, but I I do think like everything that you're talking about, like the fundamentals of getting in early, establishing the relationship. 
that's how we've been able to win some of these bigger players uh, is because of the fact that they'll talk about the fact that we were, we were there first. They were, we built the relationship. I also think that there, another area too is like potentially that uh, it's a some respect. Maybe we're not in on the players that would be more wishy-washy in their decision-making. Right. And I think that's that's the point that Avi's trying to make, right? Is that it's not a guy who's going to be like, oh, what's who's the hot who's the hot team right now? You know, right. like who's the who's the team that's like in the top twenty five that I can be a part of? Yeah, you know, outside of the powerhouse schools, um, it's not like the Instagram, you know, trending or Twitter trending type of school. It's you're making the decision that's based on what you've been told and the relationship that you've built. And I think those are the types of guys. They want to bring in. They want you to come to our school because of the relationships, because of what we're trying to build here, and not just because we're we're the team that has the flashy turnover chain. Yeah, you know. Okay, so let me ask you this: This class, in large part, has been top twenty-five for the most of the season. Now it's ranked. Rivals has it ranked as fortieth. I think uh, Scout Scout still has us at like twenty-third. Okay, so Scout maybe has this a little higher. Yeah. As I'm looking across, like looking at Pac-12 teams, I'm doing this very quickly. But, you know, you have SC at 11. And then I think the next one after that – oh, it's, I'm sorry, I'm missing Oregon. Oregon's in at three. So you have Oregon three, SC 11. And then you don't have anyone until Washington, I believe. And then us. So yes. that puts – Stanford below us, well below us, Colorado below us, uh, Arizona's below us by a lot, UCLA 67th, Washington Tate, State 70th. I don't even know where Oregon State is right now. Yeah, so looking at looking at 247s, um, I mean, since you went through the rivals, I'll read you the 247s. Oregon's number one, SC's number two, Cal's at number three. Followed by Utah, Washington, Arizona State, Colorado, Stanford, Washington State, Arizona, UCLA, then Oregon State. Where is Oregon State on this damn list? <laughs> I can't even find them. They only have eight commits so far this this cycle. So, oh my goodness, they're not in the top one hundred, I suppose. So, so they're not on this page. Here's also this too. According to according to two four seven, Oregon has currently fifteen four stars committed. SC has 12 four stars committed. Cal has four. Utah has three. Washington has three four stars, but they have a five star committed as well. And Arizona State has four four stars committed, um, along with 14 three stars uh, for the Bears. That's that's currently where we stand. Oh, good. Sam Heward. Awesome. That's going to be fun. Yeah. So QB. <laughs> yeah. Great. They have like, well, they have like four, four or five yeah. star QBs. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> One of them will transfer. Uh, yeah. I mean, okay. That's good to know. I mean, what what's interesting is I don't think rivals has those guys classified as fours and they're, we only have two and then the rest are threes. So we just have Jermaine Terry and then uh-huh. Jay Michael. Um, yeah, I think, well, not to tease it out, but we'll have a recruiting specific podcast because 
Signing day is this Friday, early signing day. It starts so, Wednesday and ends Friday. Yep. So yeah, we'll we'll definitely have one. So we'll have one. I'm, yeah, because you never know on signing day. You might we might have some surprises. So we got to wait until everyone's faxes in their NLIs so we know what our class actually is. And I'm not saying surprises in the good way of us getting guys. We've been burned on signing day by guys leaving us too. So it's it happens. We just have to we just have to uh, be ready uh, to see what the class looks like by the time the day is up. I only want good surprises, Rob. Just good. I, <laughs> you and me both, man. But we've seen it happen, so you know we'll we'll see what we'll see. We'll take it as as we uh, go. But we have some fan questions to wrap up today's pod, which was basically a. a smorgasbord of everything you got laughter cries tears joy pain this is man this was was a movie of a podcast all right we got some questions let's go sean asks us who do you hope is a surprise signing on wednesday oh god andy do you have any have but you i don't know if you followed recruiting enough that you have you have any once no this is where the sans twitter life really <laughs> really hurts <laughs> yeah um my surprise hope surprise signing um so this is without looking up the timelines because i know some of those guys have probably put out tweets saying like this is when they're announcing their commitment and stuff so i haven't looked that that up yet so i don't know if they're actually gonna sign this upcoming cycle or like this this week because they can wait for national signing day in january right so but uh, my hope would probably be uh, Yarn- Yanni Karloftis, who is the outside linebacker from in- Indiana. His brothers, both his old two older brothers, I think one plays at Notre Dame and one plays at Purdue or Wisconsin. Is it Wisconsin and Purdue? So anyways, they play in those big pack, pack uh, Big Ten schools, um, and were apparently pretty high on him, and he's pretty high on us. It's just it sucks because we can't get him out for a visit. We can't, you know, he can't come out to the West Coast to see what it's like out here. So, but if he is committing, I hope that's the surprise because he'd be the first four-star linebacker we've recruited under Wilcox, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, like bonafide, like surefire high four-star guy that every every recruiting service agrees is a four-star. So that would be, I think, absolutely huge. And our linebacking core over the next three years looks damn good if he joins that group. With like him and Iasefa and Ancelados and you know some of the other younger guys around. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Anyways, that's that's that. Um, Gerardo asks, "What improvements are you looking forward to the most to the most for next season? What are your thoughts on seniors returning? And does the coaching staff change? I'm thinking he's asking if we if we see any coaching staff changes this season. Any of those three you want to tackle, Andy? Yeah, I'll go backwards. All right. The only coaching staff move I could see, um, I would see it on the defensive side. And in particular, I think we've talked about this a little bit, but when you look at like defensive coordinator and the fact that we have two, I think the Reuter is a possibility of leaving. And I, I don't I don't know what it would be for, but I just it's still sort of like I think that what you know our what Drew H said on the podcast 
is is kind of I'm not saying what he said entirely is a real thing, but I'm just saying like they're setting up like Sermon to be the predecessor to DeRoyter. And that's for a reason. So that's the only place that I could really see Patricia. Prede- predecessor or successor? Sorry. Dude, I, I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> Today started at 645 and I'm just, you're getting like, you know, my, yeah. my C minus game here. But uh, so that's where I would see the move. Gerardo, I am far too close to this season still being alive and now that it is dead i haven't even thought about areas for improvement or what it could be hopefully hopefully it would be chase getting more familiar with coming like out of more under center and maybe the offense also adapting to him i think both of those things i think it needs to be two ways i think musgrave needs to figure out okay like hey you know what i liked about watching the UCLA game was I, I, they were still running a lot of RPOs and you can just see like how it messes with the defense. Yeah. And so I did find myself kind of being like, Oh man, I kind of missed those. Uh, so I, I just think like we can establish if we can establish more options for chase, like the, the better off we'll be. And, and I think that's a big area to focus, but for me it's offense. I don't think, I mean, I don't have any, the defense just stepped up. So my, one of my big predictions was the defense would take a step back this year in the PAC 12 and they really didn't. So that's awesome news for us. That means we have a, you know, we can become a Wisconsin type program. That's just rotates in and out. That's great. We have consistency, you know, a kind of like a higher floor, maybe a lower ceiling, but the floor is raised. So, you know, you feel good about Cal football every year rather than when we were on under Sunday, we're like, well, we could as easily go like, three and nine as we could go nine and three. You don't really know which way any game's going to go. So there's a little bit more predictability to it. What was the second question? I missed that one. What are your thoughts on seniors returning? I guess he's asking like, who do you think might return? So I think Cam's gone. I think yeah. that's pretty obvious. Like, yeah, uh, he's going to go to the NFL and he's got good tape from the season that will just further. Boost I, the I, yeah. I really would be surprised to see anybody else. There's always going to be some sort of like transfer move movement, so on and so forth. I, you know, it sucks that Luke Beckett that we lose Luke Beckett. That's, that's just, you know, it's unfortunate. I think coin stays. I'd be shocked if he made the jump and I would wonder why, because I think he was just kind of tapping into some of his potential later in the year. Um, Elijah Hicks also would be, someone to kind of have an eye on. And I don't think that he showed enough quite yet uh, to, to warrant, and he's learning a new position. So I think he'd want another year of tape before making that type of decision. Maybe we get a sneaky surprise on offense. Like Kakoa had a really good year. Maybe he gets some good feedback from scouts and he decides to make the leap. But that's it. So I still think like that's what I think about this Cal team as a whole. Like we we come into the, to the next season very similar as we come into this season. But I'll tell you what the big difference is going to be. We're not going to project ourselves to win 10 games or, or nine games. I think we're going to be back to the 7-8. We'll probably look at our schedule depending on out of conference. And my guess is we'll be at 7-8 wins. And we'll come down conservatively. Because what we saw from the offense was concerning enough to be like, yeah, we're not like totally there yet but the usual kind of seven and five yeah five feels feels reasonable 
Yeah, what I think the, I think the floor is eight. I honestly think the floor is eight. Um, no, we it, can't do it. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> it has to be. Eight. What have we learned this year? Well, because because yeah. because our three out of conference games, I think we win. Um, because I believe it's Nevada, uh, TCU, Sac State, or you see, is it Sac State? Um, yeah, something along, or Cal Poly, uh, one of those in in that in that range. Um, so yeah, I think we we secure the three wins there, and then I'm looking at like the the teams we always play, which is Oregon, Washington, Washington State, Oregon State. I think we'll beat Washington State for sure. I think. I think we'll. I think we can definitely beat Oregon State as well, because um, I think we were in that game barring two plays, or like we had that game handedly barring two plays. So, um, and then I look at like SC and LA. I think LA got better as the year went on, but I still don't think they're that great of a team like altogether. So, I think it's there's winnable games, and especially if we get Arizona next year too. Like that's that's there's another win secured there. Uh, but yeah, I think the floor has to be eight, especially when you have, and I don't want to put this all on Chase's shoulders, but when you have a, basically a senior quarterback, this is, it's the year to do it. The, so that's the only thing I'm worried about with all these seniors. And if they decide to come back is we're delaying the inevitable, which is the reloading with younger guys. We're delaying, we're delaying their natural progression of moving on because of this weird year this year, because normal guys that would have been gone in four years now get that fifth year or that sixth year. And it's clear that this staff prefers to start the older guys, then give the younger guys a chance to, to start. The only exception to that rule was ISFA, right? But what? that's all, oh, but you're, that's all oh, you're talking defensively. Right. Right. But that's also because of need, right? That's also because of need. So yeah, I'm talking defensively. Because offensively, like I think it, it constantly rotates. Yeah. But defensively, they just they they don't. They rely on the top guys so much uh at the top of the depth chart. Yeah. So it does worry me a little bit that you some guys might be like, I I don't want to sit here and wait another year to play, right? Behind these guys. So that's the only worry I have with some of these seniors returning. And I think maybe some of those guys who get that another year, like might decide to like go on and go to grad school somewhere else and just take on another challenge at another place. I could easily see that happening too. Hmm. Right. Like guys like Ziande, like I would love for him to be back, but he'd be back for his seventh year. <laughs> like, would he, would he want to come back for a seventh year? Would he want to come back and play his seventh and final year here? Like, would he, would he want to go and do it somewhere else? Like I, you just, I, you just don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Coaching staff change, and we'll move on to the final question with this, is Ragel's name has been talked about with the Arizona job. Whether he gets the head coaching job or is poached away as a coordinator or, like, you know, a high-profile assistant for Arizona, it makes a lot of sense because he recruits the state well. He has a lot of ties to the state as well. I think uh, – and he's been a head coach – in the high school game in Arizona. So it, it makes total sense for them to do that. And if Arizona were to hire Regal as their head coach, I think, I think it'd be the smart move. It'd be that move of like, we're not getting a big name. We've done that twice already. And it hasn't fully paid off for us. We're going to get a guy who's local. We're going to recruit the state of Arizona. Well, 
we know we're a basketball school, so we're going to start. We're going to improve our football slowly. Like we're not going to try to look for that quick turnaround, and we're going to build a guy who can get us the in-state recruits from the ground up and just build. And I think uh, I think that would be the solid way to do it. That's the only move I see potentially happening. I don't think any Cal fans losing sleep over that, but I, I do think that that hurts the program uh, yeah. with, with his connections to recruiting. I'd be pretty shocked if they jumped for a guy that didn't have any head coaching experience at the collegiate level. That would seem right risky to me, but absolutely maybe on a, I don't, I don't know where they would put him, uh, but on a coordinator type thing or maybe associate head coach, but I st- still don't know. Like this year would give me pause on that type of hire for the output we saw on the field. But yeah. I think it's, Point. What seniors do you see graduate uh, going to the NFL, if any? I mean, Cam, surefire. I think Cam's gone. The I think some of the offensive linemen, maybe like Curhan, I think might be gone. Um, Safel, I think, has said that he wants to be back. So for them, it's for the guys that are like in school seniors, like not on the football field in terms of their eligibility. It purely depends on grad school stuff. Can they get into like even like? Because I don't, I don't think the, I think the the requirement now is you don't have to be in grad school. You could be going for like a certificate um, mm. program and stuff too. So, can they get into any of those here? Um, like, you know, can they can they push? Can they delay their graduation? Like, can they push a couple classes to like another semester and stay around and play and and do those classes? I don't know. They'll, there's there's some uh, there's some logistical stuff they're going to have to go through to do that, but. Yeah, that's the only thing. As I said, if you have your final year here and you've already been or your final year of college athletics and you've already been here for three years or four years or even five years, maybe you want to take that final year and just go and do something because maybe you realize like you're not going to become a pro, right? You, You realize you're not making the NFL. So why not use this last year to like kind of use it as like a like a travel year? Like go play in a state or for a team or anywhere in, or a new conference, maybe the SEC. Like who knows? Just like test your ability, see what it's like, and live in that type of environment. Maybe if any Cal, if any Cal players listening to this podcast, just turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no more sales pitch from Rob on why you leave. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's all. That's all I'd say. All right, our final question. Feels like both the offensive and defensive lines are still major weaknesses on this team. In what ways can we hopefully see improvement going into next year? This is from Southpaw on Twitter. You got any takes for this, Andy? So the take was that the offensive line and the defensive line are still major weaknesses. Yeah. I don't know, man. Did we did did we watch the same team on the defensive line? Like Brett Johnson was monster. My favorite player plays on the defensive line, Tevis. Uh, <laughs> I I saw that there's a lot of I thought there was a lot of improvement on the defensive line, and I think that we're adding to that with some good guys coming in this next class. I, I also think I thought the offensive line was pretty solid. I didn't have any complaints. I actually felt like they did an exceptionally good job considering that they had to rotate young guys in. I think if you're going to be look to be optimistic anywhere, you have an offensive line that now has starting experience in the, in the two deep. So all of a sudden you're looking at a very experienced offensive line. That's already been pretty damn good. So 
I think they need to maybe improve in just like run blocking, but there's also, you know, a lot of really cool like plays that happen throughout the year that sprung huge runs. And I, I think as we get more of the, the mold, if you will, of those type of guys that we're looking for to run this offense in, it's a re- I think great would left this in a really good spot. And McClure's picked up right where he kind of left off. So I, I don't know. I don't, I don't look at either of those. I, I think D line, like we all want the Cam Jordan player. Like we all want a, you know, plug and play guy up front. And I think Brett Johnson is that guy. So if you're not seeing it, it's probably because he's playing two roles at once and he's like in all these different positions. But Rob has been the, you know, the champion of Brett Johnson being in what uh, <laughs> utilized in you know, his strength. So once we can match his strength, with strength, I'll let Rob speak to this. I think that that group gets better, but I didn't feel like this was the years with, you know, Sonny where we were just getting run over by like the SCs or organs who just have bigger guys up front and could just run at will. I did think that our defensive line you know, played pretty damn well. I think Andy's absolutely right, particularly about the offensive line. I, I, I will say, I will say though, the offensive line there were there weren't any moments where the offensive line played exceptional, right? They were, but they were also never bad. Like they were, they were pretty much like at average and just teetered like into below average or above average. Like that's the movement that was on the scale regardless. Like Hithliday, who's the football analyst at Addicted to Quack, like he said it best, which and he's he's a little bit more pessimistic about the Cal offensive line, but one of the lines he said was there's not a significant drop off between the starters and the backups. And take that however you will. In a in the in a bad in a bad you know uh point of view, it's that you don't have any place to get better. But in a good if you look at it from a good perspective, there's no drop off. You're going to get the same production regardless if you put in the starters or the backups. So that's that's the thing with the offensive line. And they're getting younger and they're getting bigger and they're getting more athletic. I think that's the thing too is that they're, you're asking the offensive line like you have pulling centers and stuff in this in this offense. Mm-hmm. There are things that these guys have never done before. And athletically to get up to speed and the conditioning that you're required to do certain things from this scheme is different from what you were asked from for the last three, four years. So their conditioning has to be different. The way their weight train has to be different, like where their strengths are and, and where they're putting on their weight has to be drastically different. So there's going to be that transition scenario with that offensive line, but I still think they've played pretty well to that degree. The defensive line, yes, I am I am the, the champion of Brett Johnson. Um, I am his hype man. But I will say, if, if you're going to say major weakness – uh, the only view I could say it is a major weakness is because we lack the depth, right? Because you look at, look, we had two nose guards that were available for us to play this year. They did not play a single game for us. Maldonado, I believe, or Maldonado, I think, played one game, and then he was injured for the rest of the season. Stanley did not play a single game for us this entire year. That means we had to plug Brett Johnson back into that nose guard role, which I don't think he can do adequately, but that's not his spot. He's like a JJ Watt type of guy on the defensive end that just wreaks havoc, right? That you just you you want to isolate him against a tackle or a guard as much as you possibly can. Not put him in the not put him smack them in the middle of the defensive line where they could double or triple team him at will. 
And that's basically what happened. But it was clear in the Oregon game, like when you gave him one-on-one opportunities, he makes the offense pay. And so if we get guys like Stanley and Maldonado back on top of guys like Jaden Roberts, who didn't play all year uh, this year because they didn't think he was ready. And then you add some other guys like Ethan Saunders and, and some of the other, you know, bigger, bigger bodies that we're bringing in. And then along the defensive line, like we bring in Wilkins, we bring in Calhoun. And then yeah. outside, you bring in Caleb Ellums or, and, uh, you know, some of the other like Hisatake. Like you're bringing in all of these guys that have speed and are good pass rushers. That line is only going to improve and that increases depth. That also being said, like, how. Ha- Missing Tevin Paul was huge. I think that it needs to be said because he opted out of playing this season, right? That not having Tevin Paul in that outside linebacker slash D end position, like to rotate in was devastating because we didn't have the depth. And if you look at our two deep from week one versus the Oregon game, the amount of walk-ons we've had to put onto the two deep, especially in the front seven, because bodies were missing, one due to like COVID outs or like injuries was rough. But I think now with this incoming class, the the roster composition gets a little bit more balanced with the style that we want to play. Uh, we don't have as many offensive players anymore. I think we're, we're stacking more to rotate the linebackers, to rotate the def- defensive line. We... I think on the roster now we'll have like four or five nose guard d- defensive tackle type guys, which we didn't have for the last three years. Like the last time we had it was like Chris Palmer, like who was like freaking amazing. And that's the type of guy we need for this defense to work is that 300 pound guy who doesn't need to like, you know, get sacks or anything, but just drags like a center and a guard or, or both all three, like just away and just opens it up for everyone else. And then you saw that in the Oregon game. When they did that to Brett Johnson, you opened it up for Cam Good. You opened it up for Braxton Croto. Like it just opens up how we play our defense. So in terms of weakness, that's my only thing is we lack the depth. But I think that depth is coming. Coming real soon. Anything else? No, that's it. That's a good note yeah. to end on. That is a great note to end on. Um, well, if you listen, if you've been listening to this, this is the California Golden Bear Cast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Uh, you can find us on any of your podcast listening platforms. And if you're already listening to us, then you already found us. So to, you're you're good, man. You're good. Uh, you can find all the written stuff at rightforcalifornia.com. Uh, we are doing a live stream for signing day. I believe signing day is starts on Wednesday, but I think we're planning for Friday because we want to want a little bit more time to prep. But uh, you can do that. You can join us on Twitch or on YouTube and uh, watch along, ask questions. We'll be going through every single guy who signs, go, watching his tape together, talking. And all our writers are going to have little blurbs uh, that they've written and um, from their tape that they've watched. And we'll talk about all of them. I think it'd be a fun interactive show uh, to just to talk about our recruiting class and still talk more Cal football. But yeah, you can find us on Twitter at uh, Golden Bearcast. You can find us on Twitch at twitch.tv backslash Golden Bearcast. And for YouTube, you can find uh, the Right for California stuff at youtube.com backslash Right for California. You can find me on Twitter at Rob11HWNG. You can find Andy at AndyJBSmode. Granted, Andy might not respond to you for 24 to 48 hours, uh, but 
<laughs> he will respond to you at some point. But yeah, two to three business days for a response on Andy from on Twitter. <laughs> that's that's usually how it works. Customer service. Um, but that's it for us. And uh, Merry Christmas to all you folks. I don't know if we'll do a Christmas podcast, but Merry Christmas, Happy New Year's, Happy Happy, happy Christmas, Merry New Year's, Happy Holidays. <laughs> we appreciate happy. everybody. We do. We love you all. And uh, as always, go Bears. Go Bears. Football is back in full swing. Kind of. Not really. Mainly not. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. Can we, and I ask you this, Rob, can we please see if Bet Online has odds on whether or not the game this week will be canceled due to COVID? We'll see. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.